0: Hello and welcome to the R717 Show, brought to you by Ammonia Refrigeration Training Solutions. We are the newest opportunity in ammonia safety, training, and compliance. We serve to advance ammonia as the safest and most efficient refrigerant known to man. Our podcasts are driven by industry and relevant to ammonia operators, mechanics, technicians, engineers, and safety professionals. Without further ado, help me welcome our host, Jeremy Williams
1: this is jeremy williams with the r717 show today man i got another special podcast for you this is number four and uh we have mark eddington all the way up from michigan with jansen refrigeration on the line today how are you doing today mark
0: good how are you doing today jeremy oh
1: i'm doing great man we're hitting a high of 30 degrees the last two or three days you know we've had a high of three or four degrees and wind chills of negative 20 at night i'm ready for some spring how's the life in michigan
0: it's about the same over here you know the other day it was uh 55 degrees out it was like springtime and now it's uh you know it's thirty out, windy. Actually, we're gonna get a little snow tonight. It uh, just a roller coaster over here.
1: I think it's that way across the entire United States. I was in Oklahoma City visiting some family, and we had 70, 80 degrees. Came back home on Tuesday and uh, hit this monstrosity of just coldness. I guess it's only two ammonia guys would ever complain about it being too cold, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, we welcome you to the R717 Show. Will you tell the audience today a little bit about yourself, your background, and your your career in mechanical refrigeration?
0: Yeah, you know, um. Uh, I've been doing this about 10 years now industrial federation and uh you know I first got into it I, I went to a little community college for you know HVAC and thought I was going to do that you know and I, and I got some opportunities to start uh, working at a contractor and you know we started doing industrial federation along with a lot of other things so it's was pretty well-rounded the first about five years of my career you know I did a little bit of everything uh, I went through as a uh, local 50th Toledo's um, Pipe fitter union or service tech union. Well, I went through their apprenticeship there and uh, as a pipe fitter, but I uh, it was focused really towards the uh, industrial refrigeration when I went to work, but came in handy for welding and stuff since we do a lot of that in ammonia. Um, you know, I, I, I've learned quite a bit and worked on a lot of different things uh, recently, probably the last, you know, about the last five years, it's been more towards just industrial refrigeration in general, mainly ammonia. You know, uh, I do work on some other, you know, free on stuff here and there. or, or random things but uh generally it's been a lot of uh, industrial refrigeration with ammonia which i really do enjoy i feel like the the longer i've been uh doing this stuff that i actually found it found what i really like to do and it's uh it's just, just overall you know learning more about this you know trying to get a little bit better and just learn as much as i can because I, I really do go- enjoy going to work you know over here and uh i'm right on the ohio michigan border you know i live in ohio i work in michigan it's you know there's quite a bit of uh, industrial you know plants around here and it uh It's kept me busy and uh, I I don't regret traveling around and stuff because I got to see a lot of different places and, uh, you know, I got to do some really cool pump outs and stuff like that that were pretty large and learn a lot of stuff from there, you know. So, you know, on a daily basis now, I just, I'm mainly a service tech, you know, I do uh, maintenance, you know, we we operate some plants um, that don't have, that are sometimes smaller or they're larger and they uh, need us to operate them, help operate them. You know, we do all their PMs, you know, and calibrated money sensors, you know, all that good stuff, any kind of general PMs, we pretty much take care of that. And I I really do enjoy doing that, building some things and putting new condensers up and uh, additions to systems. I'm going to add another compressor, add another condenser, you know, that kind of thing. But that's what I do from a daily basis, you know, and it's I do generally enjoy it. It's really great.
1: Well, that's good, man, because there's nothing better than enjoying what you do and coming home to your family and, you know, enjoying that life. And when you have a good work life, a good family life, you know, just have a really good life. This podcast title is The Life of a Service Tech, Safety as a Resource. And, you know, you've been at it at 10 years, I'm going to throw some questions off of what you just gave me. You know, you said you went to HVAC school. Was that a six-month program, two years? How long did that last?
0: Eight-month program, and it was uh, called like a fast-track program. So um, I was an auto tech and auto detail, then a tech. I was always an auto technician. Did a lot of car stuff before his career. And, uh, you know, it was an eight-month program where I went about 40 hours a week. So it was sped up. It was four days a week where you'd go, you know, like an eight-hour day of work, you know. And I I, sure. I learned a lot from that, you know. It was good basics like I said, I had no idea this is where I would be at 10 years later. You know, I, I didn't even know this field was this large, you know, or, or there was just this much opportunity in it. Yeah, you know, that I really think that was uh, the foot that got me in the door, you know, and, and uh, was just starting at a little community college and learning some stuff and getting that spark of interest that uh, made me want to continue on in my career, you know, and learn learn as much as I could.
1: You know, or willing to invest in education themselves and not even knowing your background. I'm sure that you probably Afforded your own finances into that HVAC program and wasn't willing to have somebody wait on you to invest in yourself, and I, I'm proud of that. That means a lot, Mark. Um, programs like that, you know, will set the stepping stone. They're not going to create 40 years of experience, but they definitely can set the aptitudes in the mind of the person to set them in the right direction. And I agree with you. It probably did set you in the right direction. When I met you a few years back, you were studying up to get your uh, CIRA certifications. How did that go for you, and uh, what was it like preparing for that? And uh, do you have any type of feedback that you'd give to anybody that's trying to attempt one of the RITA certification exams?
0: Yeah, you know, I I did well. I passed it this year on my on my first try. There, I, I will admit, I was a little uh, worried. You know, you get a taking a test is a lot different going to work. You know, and uh, not knowing what to expect. And uh, you know, it, I was really happy that I, I got to uh, have that opportunity to go out there and go through the class and the refresher class and be able to take that. Uh, you know that zero. It, it was difficult, and uh, you know, because all these years, um, you know, a lot of these smaller places they don't require that. They they like to see an operator one or two, or uh, you know, some of them don't know what a zero or caro is, and the difference is they just want to see a reader trained and. uh, Generally, I've always uh, always had a couple opportunities in the past to do it, and then something would happen. We wouldn't get, we wouldn't go through with it, you know. And uh, this last time, it was just a great opportunity. Uh, the best thing I, I can say, because uh, I know I had a couple coworkers, you know, that went out for other things, like Operator One or Two, or or took to care of, is uh, that book is really important, you know. Um, even though I've been doing this a little while, I, I don't know anything by any means. Like uh, you know, I don't know everything, but I do know when I got that book, I got it early. And, uh, you know, we went through there, me and my wife and put tabs in it and highlighted things and, uh, you know, went through all the questions and for about a month before I went out there, you know, I, I, uh, we we reviewed it all the time, you know, and, uh, she helped me, you know, to make sure that I, I knew certain things because some of that stuff in there, we don't deal with on a daily basis. And, uh, I can tell you what I think it is, but, you know, um, you just want to make sure because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go out and take the test and not pass it because I didn't put all my effort I could put into it you know so the biggest part was just studying for it because like any test in high school or anything you know you kind of put the homework in put your time in and, and you know easily it benefits you in the long run you get those results because you put a lot of time and effort into it and I think anybody that has the opportunity to either do it from themselves or their company is going to send them out to any any safety training for Rita or anything else is to definitely take it because it's, it's very helpful. And uh, the world we're living in now, you know, it's very important. Safety is very important. And uh, a lot of the customers, that's, that's the selling point for some of these contractors and, you know, or for people to sell themselves to be an operator somewhere, you know, they got to have this stuff. And uh, to me taking that test, I think I might've took it right around where they kind of changed up changed it up a little bit oh
1: dude man um, it became significantly harder at least from the statistical scores of people coming back so when you came back yeah. with a passing score I was ecstatic for you and a couple of the other guys man
0: yeah yeah because uh, I will say it was a little overwhelming I talked to some guy I know we got a couple guys that have it you know that took it within a couple of years before that and you know it was difficult but uh you know when I, I saw that it was intimidating um to hear that i and then i remember reading it in the reader breeze later they had a little write-up on the on the test scores and everything the recent ones and uh it was it was definitely a little um you know put the pressure on i guess because you don't want to you want to think that you can pass this thing but when they tell you hey only you know six seven guys out of ten guys are passing this thing or something you know it it does make you a little worried you know that the test questions were really uh, it was it was a lot of stuff out of the book it's hard to explain what's all on there you know but uh it is just really important and uh this what you guys do is uh, you know, it really helps out a lot, I think, to prepare people to take these classes online if they can, because not everybody can do it in person. You know, and that's that's kind of the best part of this, you know, technology we have is is uh, there's a lot of resources out there and uh, they're very important to pass things like that serial test. Because if I wouldn't, I went and took the refresher, I probably wouldn't have really passed it because uh, it just really ingrained a lot of things. And you using the advice of other set of, you know, training these guys to get this test. And because, you know, us as tech service techs, we don't know some of that stuff on there. And if we do, we're just not, you know, well, this other guy taught me it, you know, like I didn't actually learn this in a book. I learned it from another guy on, on job, you know, and you want to always make sure you're right but great opportunity it was a great opportunity i like to do another one you know do some more really like the psm you know that aspect too because i did a little bit of that got you know introduced to it a couple years ago and you uh, know i really do enjoy doing that stuff too so that's another level that i'd like to try and do you know in some time here and uh we'll see how that goes because that's even more in depth on some of the rules and guidelines and everything you know, Jeremy, you were out there when I uh took that test because I remember talking to you a little bit. I really appreciate all you guys do for the for the, our whole career and the whole industry, you know.
1: Well, on behalf of the educational industry, we just it's what we do, man. So thank you, dude. And thank you for being appreciative. And uh, all I can say is now that you got it, don't let it lapse and try to keep it up because then you have to retest. So keep up all your hours and make sure you give them their money before the three-year time period comes up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I worked too hard for that puppy. I don't wanna I don't wanna let that one go. So I'll definitely make sure I keep up on it.
1: So let's jump into this. Uh, as a service tech, you could walk into any plant about any day, some that you've never ever been in before, and you could be doing something completely different. Um, one day you may be operating a system, and one day you may be, as you said, adding on to a system or adding new equipment or making modifications or just doing simple maintenance. Uh, what do you enjoy the most? Do you like the operation side, the maintenance side, startups, commissioning, uh, or is it just a day-by-day basis and take each challenge as it comes upon?
0: Yeah. You know, I can say, uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I'd like to say that I like uh, I've done some startups on some new plants or some old plants that were shut down. And we, you know, went through the whole plant. We, I actually did one about a year ago, a uh, plant that was off for about three or four years. It was about a 20 year old plant. It was somewhat modern, you know, and uh, I, I have to say that was the first time I got to start one up. That was off for a whole bunch of time, you know, four years or so. Do everything you can possibly do there. All the coalescers, oil filter, every seal there is, you know, and, Pump it up with nitrogen, vacuum it out, and turn it on. and And I will say that that's probably one of the favorite plants I still go to. And uh, it's not a large plant; it's more of a medium-sized plant. You know, it's just a cold storage facility. But uh, I like to say that startups are fun, or operating them are fun. But I guess sometimes it depends on the day. You know, like uh, like today, for example, I went to a place I haven't been to before. And it was it was neat. You know, because you get to see diff- something different every time. So I, I do like the service side of it because you get to see a lot of different things. But um, over the years. I, I got to say, probably I like operating and, and uh, you know, starting them up and pushing buttons, that kind of thing, you know, and, and uh, seeing how it's really supposed to work. I guess you get a really good understanding when you operate a plan or start it up on how it really works. PLC programs, they have one or whatever their controls are, and uh, it's pretty neat. And I guess it's just, uh, it keeps my attention, that stuff, not that other things don't, but you know, if I had to go change oil filters and coalescers every day, it would still be interesting because I I just like doing this stuff, but it's not nearly as interesting as operating a plant, you know, and uh, maybe it's because I was always a service tech and I see these guys that are operators and they get to know these plants so well. But on the other hand, some of them only know that plant. So we have to learn all different plants, you know, and how they work. So it it, maybe it's sped up some of the adaptation that we have to have doing this stuff, you know, and I think it helps. So a little bit of everything, you know, you know how it is. Every day's fun at work, you know, or I enjoy it that's what makes the job so fun. And it keeps your attention, you know, cause there's a lot of different things going on.
1: So from the perspective of doing this, you know, what's the most frustrating standpoint of this as a service contractor or service tech coming into these facilities? What, what frustrates you the most? Is it, you know, like housekeeping of the plants? Is it their PSM programs Do you see that there's a lack of safety programs in some facilities or, you know, what, what do you seems, what seems to make your job harder when you, when you come into these facilities?
0: It just depends, but some, sometimes it does get a little frustrating because it's a nice plant and, you know, they just don't keep up on, you know, housekeeping in there. Just, it's a nice plant, but, you know, I always was taught that if you you go in your engine room and it looks great, especially if you had an inspection or something like that, you know, you go in there and it looks really nice that they're going to. You know, not that they're not going to still dig deep, but it's just that first impression when you walk into an engine room that is really clean, you know, and it looks nice. Even if it's a really old plant, you can still make them look nice. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating, but sometimes it's hard too because if, uh, as a service tech, and we're all guilty of it probably, you know, because I'm sure I've done stuff too, but when you have to follow up or you go somewhere that a different contractor worked at or a different person in general, you know. Um, and you go in there and something, you, you don't know how far off it is from when it was originally engineered, Mm. you know, when it originally started up. So you don't know, uh, you know, some people, one time they changed this motor to that or something or a starter, or they just start playing with, you know, hand expansion valves over time because something wasn't working right for them. And, and it gets so far off that when you try to go in there and do some service, sometimes it can be something as simple as settings. In compressors, and and it could be settings and defrost. It could be all kinds of things that were more of a, a human interaction that caused the problems, and and, and those are really hard to find sometimes because oh, you don't have any, you know, what I mean, you don't have any. Um, I have no back history or something if we haven't been there, and it, it can be very difficult. And I'm sure you know it happens to everybody. Everybody might change something thinking that would help, and it, and you do that ten times over, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And those are probably the really frustrating parts, and um. They're hard to find sometimes because you just don't know. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, for sure. It was about 10 years ago. We got a new microprocessor for one of our screw compressors, and it was one that can measure superheat on the inlet and let you know how much superheat was on the inlet side without having to do it by manual calculations. And um, so it had a safety setting on it that if the superheat got too low, it would alarm and shut off the compressor. Uh, we had a student change that setting and we didn't know and it would not fire up because it thought the compressor was taking a slug of liquid on the suction side after it (laughs) shut down and it took forever to figure this out because the number he put in was a 10 degrees of superheat but it was actually reading it as the actual temperature not the superheat so anything less than the temperature he put in 10 degrees fahrenheit it would shut down not 10 degrees superheat over saturation that took us weeks to figure out on this microprocessor. Reading the manual, you could infer this, but it just took a while to figure that out. So I understand how that is even from the educational side. Uh, coming into these plants, you know, especially one that you've never been before, I'm sure you got your service truck and all your tools, but what are your go-to tools as a service tech that you always keep on you when you go into a facility?
0: Well, yes, yeah, I definitely. I have, I have a nice truck that I try to fill with as much stuff as I can. But I, I tell you what, if you just have Channel locks, crescent wrench, service wrench, screwdriver, and a meter. You can almost do a lot of troubleshooting. You know, generally that's what I always take in anywhere. Going in an engine room, and take the stuff in there. You know, because we have to do so much different jobs that, you know, my tool bag is heavy. You know, because we don't like going in and out a million times. And it's got wheels on it. You know, and um, we try to put as much stuff as we can so we can do the job right. You know, but we go every time I go into a building. I take certain hand tools with me. You know, flashlight can't forget that you know, a little screwdriver. It's just a couple of things that I use uh, every day. I did a shaft seal the other day on a filter. It's so easy with the tools, but I don't know how many times I did it a long time ago when I first started at it. And that contractor was didn't have so many uh, tech guys, you know, it was just a couple of us. The guy I worked with, that was a guy I kind of learned from for the first five years, roughly, of my of my career. And a uh, really smart guy, you know, he's been around it, you know, for 30, 40 years and uh, he's retired now, but uh, we didn't have as much, uh, specialty tools when we did stuff because we only worked on a couple of different plants. Now they were pretty big plants, but you know, we would do shaft seals and stuff like that. And some, you know, pulling off the hub, even, you know, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was just made a little more difficult not having these special tools, but some of these tools that we have to have now to do these jobs, it makes us so much more efficient. The biggest thing is uh, you got to make sure you get your mask with you. I go into some of these buildings you have to take it with you, no matter what you're doing. If I ever even open a line up, I take it with me anymore. Because, you know, really we should do that anyways, you know, for doing line opening, especially on the little, build, little places that don't really have line break permits because it protects us, you know. And I, I kind of think that's a tool because sometimes you have to do a job with that. That mask is really important, you know. And uh, those, those, those uh, tools that we use nowadays, are, it's like I said, I did the car mechanics for a while. And it was almost, a, you know, you could do about anything with some channel locks and a crest wrench and a, and a huge screwdriver, you know, and a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> you just know, beat the
1: crap out of it huh yeah
0: you know and uh my dad used to yeah. say if
1: it couldn't be fixed with a hammer and a pipe wrench it can't be fixed man i think that's just the people that come from the automobile trade
0: Yeah, you know, yeah yeah it's amazing what you can do with that stuff i remember that was one of the big things and when i was at uh, community yeah. colleges don't use crescent wrench or channel locks on those you know service valves
1: service stems yeah
0: because <laughs> it, it you know they tear them up you know we used to we used to you know if you lost your wrench and school and stuff like that and you try to sneak it and the guy teacher come around the bend you know and he would see using channel locks he, you know a crescent wrench usually a crescent wrench he would throw a thing away especially for small stuff you know a little little free honor dust, industrial you know commercial stuff you know there's a little baby stuff so but um it's important tools are important i think and i think that um it's a good investment for anybody it's like talking about my schooling um back when i went to community college I, I bought all those tools i had to buy them you know myself so i know that some people have to pay for their own tools and stuff and that's why it makes it even more important to get the you got to get the guy have it because you'll make money with those tools you know it's very important for some of these operators i think and service techs to you know make sure they have the right stuff because you 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 can think all you want when you get out to a job but you just got to have the right tools
1: for sure you know with 10 years of experience now behind you whether it's HVAC or industrial ammonia, pipe fitting, et cetera, when did you start to feel confident? You know, a lot of these guys that are coming to the industry have a similar background as you coming from the automobile industry or the oil industry prior. Um, And they, they seem to, you know, want to become experts in ammonia refrigeration, but they lack the confidence and confidence isn't going to come overnight. So when did you start feeling confident, you know, with what you were doing as a service tech?
0: You know, um, I think what kind of pushed it over was when I went from the place, one contractor to the next, I was at one for a long time. And then I went to a different one and uh, they sent me all, you know, we went to different, that's where I stopped going to just like two or three accounts. And uh, cause it was just, they were just really large and it kept us busy for years and years and years. When I started doing my own thing in my own truck, you know, and I had to go out there on my own. And, uh, re, you know, I got to go out there and rebuild a Cornell pump. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I, I know how to do it because I've been around it, but I never had to do it on my own. I guess when I started having to do a lot of stuff on my own or with uh, an apprentice, because we'd start having apprentices that were underneath me then. So they would come out and help Well, they're they're there to learn from me. So I guess the more I had to get into doing it on my own and <clears throat> bouncing around in different facilities, um, I probably gained a lot of confidence because I started to do enough that I actually felt like. You know, I can go in this plant and I can figure out, you know, what's going on, how it works, you know, because a lot of times the service call in the middle of the night or something, and, uh, you know, right when you, right when you get home from work and uh, they call you right back and you got to go somewhere new or something, it can be overwhelming. But, you know, just uh, the whole aspect of taking the time and, and, and understanding what's actually going on, you know, like inside the pipes, you know, it's gotten better. You know, I, I definitely feel confident about my work and what I do now. That's good, um, but I'd say first four or five years, though, when I, I might have said I might have had confidence, but I only had certain things. It was still, I uh, hope I, you know, not that I thought I was going to do something wrong. I just didn't, I, I would have to ask for help a lot, you know, and I still run into that here and there if it's something that I haven't seen. I think that's there's nothing wrong with part. that, you know? Yeah. I think that's a big part of our career is asking for, you know, don't, we're all, we're probably all our worst critics, you know, I know I am for myself that I don't like to do something wrong. Cause then I'm, I'm going to blame myself, you know, be harder on myself. Than somebody else would, but, um, sometimes I don't, I used to not want to ask for help, you know, and uh, ask this guy that's been doing this for a long time, you know, what, what's going on here on this compressor I've never seen before, or doing a shaft seal on this thing I've never done before or something like that's gotten a lot better. I, I don't mind calling anybody cause I know it, it, we're all there for the same common thing. We just want to fix this problem, but I also need to learn from somebody. So just because I've been doing it for a little while doesn't mean I can't learn. And uh, I, I don't think that'll ever probably stop. You'll probably be like that the rest of your career, trying to learn from other people, gaining, get better at it, you know, learn more, be safe. And I think that really helps a lot.
1: That's respectful, man. Absolutely. I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, you, you probably are aware there was a accident up in Nebraska this last week. Uh, I think it put three people in the hospital. Two of them are contractors, one of them a maintenance guy. And as far as I can tell, one of the contractors is still in the hospital. There hasn't been much released on the accident, uh, but um, ammonia was involved. And uh, you know, you guys that are contractors are doing generally the higher risk things that a lot of these plants don't do day in and day out, whether it's tie-ins, pump downs, pump outs, Technical troubleshooting, etc. Um, with safety being a high resource and a high priority, what do you have for suggestions to the industries when it comes to doing like pump downs, pump outs, line openings, and not always, but majority of the time, there's probably time pressure behind that as well for production.
0: Yeah, you know, I did hear about that the other day, and that's you know, terrible. You know, anytime I hear that, that's that's just horrible to hear that. Just go home to our families, and we don't want that to happen. You know, um, you know, that is such a critical time. Is when we're we're opening lines up so where gauges might not work, right. There might be liquid traps somewhere, some, you know, there could be so many problems, you know, and it's, it's just really critical. And, and like you said, there, it always has to be a time constraint, you know, so we're always in a, you know, we're, we're in, it's, it's supposed to be a controlled hurry, you know, like we need to get this done. We have this much time, you know, not that that was what happened, you know, you know, but that is an added, added, you know, stressor or sometimes. When no, I'm not job, sure what happened you know? in this
1: accident. It's just, uh, for contractors to be involved something with maintenance most likely was entailed into it
0: yeah we go into some plants sometimes and uh you don't know what the piping's like you don't you don't know what the condition is you know some of these plants you don't know what's underneath the insulation you know and if you pull on something or anything like that you, you can you can break lines or somebody turns something off and on defrost comes out you know not the right way you know it there's so many things that can happen and it's uh I know a lot of facilities really lately have been putting a lot of time and effort into their safeties um, for their safety program for, for things like that. Cause we all know about, you know, hydraulic hammers and everything else has caused so many problems at a couple plants. And uh, I know that's a big thing that we always stress. And, and just the overall line break permits are very helpful. I, I, there's so many plants to do it anymore, especially a larger one. And I think it's a great thing to do. It takes a little time to do it, but it's a great thing. Cause then we're all aware of what we're shutting off and what we're turning on and the, uh, it's just, um, as a service tech, we just have to be very careful when we're opening up a line, you know, cause you just, sometimes I think sometimes overall we, we get confident in it. And, uh, we've, we have to, you know, keep that respect for ammonia or any refrigerant. We, we have to make sure that we're taking our time and, we, and we're not, uh, cause cause it can happen, you know, and uh, we, we try to keep everything in the pipes. And then when it does come out a little bit, especially, uh, you get a good couple of whiffs of there, and you're like, "Geez, a pizza!" It was just a reminder of of what it can be. It's a great refrigerator. And I love ammonia. You know, I I had to work on a for system the other day, and I gosh, I wish I could smell this stuff. You know, because they're so hard to find leaks on some of them. And uh, ammonia generally isn't a problem. I, I like the stuff, but. You know, it's safety is really high concern in the training that we have to go through. You know, we did our fit test the other day, you know, our yearly fit tests and everything mm-hmm. and how important that is. That's very important for even a small place that has, you know, a couple thousand pounds of ammonia, they, you know, if they have an operator there or something, you know, they should have fit tests because that could be a, could save your life, you know, yeah, or if you're doing general maintenance yourself, you know, and uh, it's just, it's really important. That safety is so important. Glasses are very important. You don't want to, you know, that stuff can do terrible, terrible things to your eyes, you know, and uh, it's just like speeding or something, you know, we we might speed on the way home and then you don't, you know, don't regret it until you get a speeding ticket. And that can happen in our careers, uh, no matter what, we just try our best not to do that, you know, and it's, I will say though, it's, um, the news has been pretty quiet also in that, I, uh, it's nice not hearing anything, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know what you guys are seeing out there over here. Uh, there's a lot of ammonia plants around this area, like everywhere across the country, but the push is always it's you know replacing these art these big R22 systems and everything, you know, and the build ammonia plants and stuff. And it's such a great thing, I think. It's better for the environment and it, and it helps our niche. It helps our, our careers, you know, because that's what we're doing. And um, but I also think it's a good it's a good thing for our for us. Uh the customers don't realize the differences though, you know, R22 or or any Freon you know, if you're in a huge building where they got tens of thousands of pounds of it, you know, it can, it doesn't even give you a warning. You know, you're just, there you go. You know, it's not like ammonia, you might smell at first, you know, or something. So you can get out of there. It gives you at least a chance, you know, see, that's the only thing I, I, you know, I figure I ask you about it. Cause I haven't got to see much of it else in some, but it's CO2 and, and the ammonia deal is it's pretty neat to see that. And I don't know if that's been coming up anywhere out, you know, some of these places, you guys, I know out there with you you and your dad, they had a CO2, they had a cascade system, didn't they? Was it CO2 and ammonia?
1: Yeah, they had a ammonia on top, CO2 on bottom cascade system. And I would say that that's definitely a, a design opportunity for industrial plants, uh, yeah. especially for cold storage warehouses or even processing facilities that want to maintain freezers, let's say negative 10 and colder, and try to get some efficiency gains on that compared to single staged or two-stage ammonia systems directly. I don't think that you'll see in the United States, ammonia and CO2 in grocery stores. I think that you're mm-hmm. just going to see just straight CO2, which there's lots of that right now. And then if they do go cascade, they're going to use an, uh, a synthesized refrigerant on top, not ammonia. There was a few grocery stores that tried it eight or nine years ago, but um, for the most part, most of them are stayed away from the ammonia on the top side. Yeah,
0: you're right. I think I I've saw them. I think it was maybe 404 with, with CO2. I. I saw some, we went, we, we did this field trip when we, you know, when you're in class, we went to school at night during the week after work. So you go to work all week and then you go to school all night, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, we got, we got to go down to a, a cool little Kroger's. They were building a whole bunch of them around Toledo, newer ones, and they were remodeling even some of the older ones. And that's what they were putting in there. That was first time I ever got to see one of those systems, those cascade systems like that. And I, I think it was four, it may be not four or four, it was four or some, you know, it was some Freon was a secondary. And, uh, Yeah, there's um, been a
1: big push for training for the uh, HVAC service techs the last five, six years in that area, just because they're installing them left and right, Targets, Walmarts, Yeah, um, I mean, all across the country. Hill Phoenix and uh, Heatcraft, uh, Bitzer, they're all big players in that field. Carnot, Valves, Emerson, and uh, Danfoss. So um, the commercial arena, I think CO2s, they're now new refrigerant of choice. I would estimate in the United States, probably over half the grocery stores in the next few years, if not already, will have CO2 in them. It's neat. You know, ammonia, you can learn CO2. It's um, refrigeration, refrigeration. You just got to learn the refrigerants. And for myself, uh, ammonia CO2 cascade system was probably one of the funnest systems we ever got to install and run when I was with GCAP. It was a great time. And that system was always fun to operate for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's good for all of us and stuff. And I know that uh, you're right about the refrigeration or the Refrigerant to refrigerant deal, because I think when I when I first started, that was a little scared of ammonia, you know, and I didn't understand it at all, and it took a little while to realize that it just it's just another refrigerant. It's just we just have special valves, or we just have special this or that, you know, it's just meant for ammonia, you know, mm. but. You know, you learn refrigeration because I know some guys that became service techs that were either operators, some of them were the other ones were actually just uh, refrigeration as in Freon refrigeration. They never did ammonia and some of them got into it and actually did quite well because they already had a lot of background in it, you know, and it helps a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that swapped swapped over and done pretty well, actually. We always like to say once you
1: go ammonia, you never go back. So I think (laughs) you're living proof of it. At least one of the many. So, yep. before we try to close out here, I got a question for you. You know, have you ever had a close call with any refrigerant and uh, a lessons learned that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I've had a couple little close calls. One of them was, you know, earlier in my career. And uh, I was just I was there with my, you know, my boss and you know, the journeyman I was with, but we worked together and we did everything together there. And, uh, you know, we were opening up and we we added on a new freezer and a, a new recirculate package and a new uh, booster compressor added on to an old system that had uh, mainly, it was just all glycol. You know, they had, couple of 250 ton plate frame chillers and they sent all the glycol out to the buildings. You know, they kept all the ammonia in their own building and uh, <clears throat> it was pretty decent sized little plant, you know, it's like 9,000 pounds. Well, they added all the stuff in there. Now it's, you know, 15,000 pounds. Cause it was quite a bit, it was quite a big booster. And they had a swing. They turned one into a swing compressor. They had about five compressors in there. But uh, anyways, um, you know, we were uh, turning everything on, you know, everything held, held pressure and we pumped it on a vacuum. And for some reason, uh, now, I don't know, you know, can never blame anybody, but if it was my fault was somebody else's. But regardless, we all missed it.
1: Let's take a little break today and get to today's sponsor. Today's sponsor of this podcast is NITO's Detection Tape, one of the coolest, newest products on the market for ammonia techs. NITO's ammonia detection tape allows for visual detection of gas by turning white to blue when it comes in contact with ammonia. You don't need no water, no open flames, and they're not even needed to activate the tape. All you need is an ammonia leak. Nito's passion for safety is what led them to develop these gas detection tapes. The product makes for an intuitive addition to the leak detection systems. Learn more by visiting www.nitodetectiontape.com. That is www.n-i-t-t-o-detection-tape.com. Uh Nito's ammonia detection tape is designed to improve safety by finding gas leaks before they become a hazard. Thank you to today's sponsor of Nito. And uh, let's get back to Mark.
0: On uh, one of those gear compressors, one of the service valves that's on side of it had a, still had the red cap inside oh, of it. Oh yeah. You know, open the ammonia up. And then, uh, we're, we're all standing. it's summer. We were standing outside and it has an red door. It's a smaller end term. It's real tall, but it's a smaller footprint. And, uh, we can hear it, you know, you can hear it blowing, you know, yeah. it took a while. It didn't just go off immediately, but anyways, uh, yeah, me and my boss we put our masks on. We go in there, and I tell you what, it was just terrible in there. You know, the ammonia sensors went off, the exhaust fans came on, everything was doing what it was supposed to do, but it was a little worrisome because I was, I bet you I only worked there six months. Oh, you man. know, I haven't been around ammonia that much. You know, I smell it. We, we purchased them in the bucket, you smell it here and there, but you know, that kind of actually worried me more. I don't say it was much of a close call, but it actually scared me more because of that, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Try to, you know everyone has their own close calls i think the biggest thing man is just to make sure that is is line opening is usually when that's going to happen you know and it's just to make sure that there is nothing in that pipe you know and, and open stuff slowly you know open valves slowly shut them slowly you know and make sure the gauge is half of them they're supposed to work but you know shit happens and they don't work it's oil in them there's crud in them or something if it's older you know they don't work right you can't always trust that gauge you know you got to be really careful because uh you know, I think it's really important that we really, as, as an industry, I think we do that because obviously we don't see a lot in the news, which is great, but that we really take our time opening lines and and, and biggest risk of something happening, you know, and uh, it wouldn't be the first time, you know, that you open something, leaks or something like that, or you're taking something apart and, you know, the gauge said zero and it sure wasn't, you know, and uh, not until you after you opened it. It's just really important. I think that uh, we all have those problems, but uh, I tell you what, though. When I first smelled ammonia, you know, I couldn't believe what it smelled. I'm like, how can you be around this all day, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, now I kind of like it, you know, but uh <laughs> it smells, it smells way better than sulfur sticks do because those are terrible. I yeah, they things. do stink, don't they, man? <laughs> Great way to find a leaks, but man, do they stink.
1: <laughs> that is but, for uh, sure. So like yeah. you grabbed your respirator in that, that situation. Do you think that you guys would have been able to even go in that room without a respirator? Because I believe that that thing is like your tool of trade. I mean, it's protecting your eyes, your lungs, your breath, your vision, your sight. And, um, you know, getting into like a situation like you were in without that tool, that leak may not have been able to have been stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. And, uh, you know, some of those physical things that are happening to us when we go into ammonia, there's nothing that we can do about it. You know, we can't just, oh, I'll be okay. Or, you know, I'll just get through it. You know, that, that mask is so important. You know, it really, really, it makes my job easier overall, because why would I want to sit there and myself through that and i can't work very well my eyes are watering when i could put a mask on or something and even have a monitor you know so mm-hmm. i know if it's getting too bad um i do have one more experience so okay go ahead um that was one last experience so we were putting in uh valve groups and stuff okay new valve groups they're already uh just socket welds you know three quarter inch stuff like that. You know, it's already welded up. You just got a coupling, a coupling, you cut out the old stuff, you put the new stuff in. So me and me and a couple of guys, we're, we got a vacuum. We, we actually pumped the whole, they uh, decommissioned about half this plant. So they were gonna, we pumped it all out and everywhere else and shut these valves permanently. So to put the valves in, we need to pump the plant down. We pumped the plant down, no big deal you know, but there's still oil and stuff everywhere, you know, and it still smells in there, you know, a little bit. Yep. But anyway, we, we have it on a vacuum while we're welding these in there. I cut it out, put it back up in there and we weld it back in there. Well, you know, we're running a vacuum pump into, you know, like one of those big 275 gallon, you know, totes and the vacuum pumps are on, you know, constantly. Uh, so it doesn't stink in the building because we are in the building and uh, mm-hmm. all the evaporators were just hung, you know, so the valve groups were up above, you know, next to the ceiling. But well, we're just, I'm uh, welding away and I got my guy with me that's up there helping me fit stuff up and stuff. He's an ammonia guy too. All of a sudden, you know, I put my hood down and you could just see the smoke coming out in my face, you know, and uh, yeah, sure sure enough, this guy, he unplugged our vacuum pumps from the wall and just by doing that for that quick minute, I don't know how long it was off. To be honest with you, it could have been off a few minutes, but all that ammonia came back out and it just kind of wafted me in the face, you know, and uh, that was probably the worst worst uh, exposure I ever had to ammonia because it went right up in my hood and I had nowhere to go I you know I got take a your breath out of you huh couldn't get down fast enough because I you know I was just in a horrible place you know I didn't I couldn't just get out of there you know I had to get down as quick as I could and you know it was pretty bad I'd say that was one of the worst ones and you know I, I definitely felt some effects from from all, for all day you know mm. but little things like that could have been avoided you know um I guess we could have tagged it don't unplug it you know but uh that happens, or you know, stuff shuts off, and you know, you get a couple of bad exposures, and it just reminds you of how, you know, how bad it can be, and you know why we do the steps we do, and why they're so important, you know. And uh, but else than that, you know, it's just been the regular stuff for me most of my career. I haven't had a lot of bad problems with freon stuff else than uh you know, a couple of times we were in a big plant where they had, you know, have a lot of a lot of it, and their sensors are going off, and you don't know why. And then you start to feel a little dizzy and you get the hell out of there kind of thing that, that I've had a couple of those happen, <laughs> you know, you're like, why are you, all the lights are going off, you know, and you're up there taking a motor, a compressor off or something like that. And you're like, what the hell's going on? You know, so you get down and you go over there and you look and it's whatever parts per million and you, and you can, you don't feel good. So you get out of the room and the exhaust fans come on and then you go find the leak. But uh, it's tough finding those leaks in those big systems with R22 in them or something. Cause there's a couple of them around here. So You know, I just try to minimize it as much as I can when it comes to those close calls. But I'm sure everyone's going to say that it's going to happen eventually. Just try to keep them down to a minimum, you know.
1: Absolutely. Well, Mark, I appreciate you coming on the R717 show today and telling us a little bit of your life of a service tech and a little bit about safety and telling us, you know, the insight of how you got to where you're at today and uh, giving us some insight on preventing maybe same occurrences from happening again to another tech. Only thing I'd maybe add is, you know, when these guys are opening up these systems beyond the respirator, beyond the meter, maybe a water hose on site, a couple bottle of water's in the pocket. When it takes your breath like it did, mm-hmm. just that little bit of water, man, and you know this, it just will help you take another breath, maybe get to the point where you can hold it, get down, get to where you need to get to get some fresh air. But um, I hope that everything goes well for you and your family, and may God's blessings be on you, and uh, till we meet again, man, keep it in the pipes.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Thank you, Mark. Take care, buddy. That wraps up today's R717 show. If you are seeking a specific topic or would like to be a part of the next episode, give us a call today. If you enjoyed today's topics, please like and share. Thank you from all of us at Ammonia Refrigeration Training Solutions. And until we meet again, keep it in the pipes.